Welcome to the Barrels and Business Podcast. I am your host, Jade Green, and this is the podcast for beach-loving, barrel-chasing business owners. In the next hour or so, I plan to give you as many tangible tips on how you can grow and build your kick-ass team, scale your business, and live the epic life of your dreams. So stay tuned while myself and my guests bring you all of the best. Today, I am being joined by one of my fellow coaches from a program that I'm in, who's friends with and hung out with a whole bunch of people. I'm just reading the bio going, oh my God, I can't believe you know that person and that person and that person. I don't understand how we haven't had this conversation before. But today I am joined by the amazing Andrew. Andrew has been an executive director of a global fintech firm. He has been responsible for a $100 million budget and a cool 800 people around the world crazy right he's just been telling me some funny stories about these uh people we know and the people that he gets asked him to coach but today we want to dive really deep into psychology the the mindset behind peak performance the ability to experience flow states and optimum states so the altered states of reality as well and really how we merge East and West philosophies to be able to really deconstruct uh, what people think about this field. But where I want to start is Jaeger bombs at the bottom of a hill. (laughs) Jaeger bombs at the bottom of the hill. Hey, Jade, it's great to be on. Um, Thank you for having me. And it's great to rock out on just such a fun topic, you know, flow states, Peak performance, optimal performance, they're slightly different. Uh, So we'll cover a bit of ground today and I hope this uh, serves your audience. Yeah, in my younger years, I was a bit of a Yagi king. I think we all go through some sort of phase like that, right? But, uh, you know, the the Jager bomb story is really all about the first time I actually did some backcountry skiing. And, uh, you know, I was with some mates in Australia and we decided to do some backcountry and I'd done moguls and I'd done the on-piece stuff. Uh, Skiing's my thing, not so much a surfer myself. Uh, but yeah, I was just... give you. Well, give you the waves. <laughs> give you the waves of the mountains instead. I'm I'm closing this because the waves are a bit loud. <laughs> yeah, right. Nice, uh, nice, nice scene. So um, yeah, and it was really the first time that I'd experienced that type of skiing in that environment. So the first time that I'd done backcountry skiing, and so you know, a, a sort of a scene set for us. You know, one of the biggest things in flow is having the right challenge to skill ratio. And so on piece and in the moguls, totally fine, you know, doing double black diamonds and everything. First time I went into the backcountry, you know, that was an interesting experience because the challenge went, went way up. And uh, so I, I came off with a couple of broken poles. Uh, I lost a ski at one point and had to ski down on, on one ski. And, uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun up there. I with feel it, like you like this time. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit like that. And uh, by the time I came down, I was actually a little bit dazed and confused in the head. Uh, but after a few tries and, and, you know, getting used to the different snow conditions in the environment and, and the risk that was associated, you know, I started to get back into that flow state. And it's a good uh, frame to start the conversation off. Challenge to skill ratio is probably the most important thing in our flow state experience. And you know, to top off the adrenaline at the end of the day, it got washed down with a number of Yagi bombs and 
Yeah, it's a distant memory now, Jade, but I do enjoy getting into flow on a regular basis in a different way these days. Uh, we used to, we, I used to run uh, headhunting and recruitment firms. And so the team used to have to make between 80 and 100 cold calls a day outbound. Mm-hmm. Um, but once a month, we used to get to, this, get to do this really awesome thing that everyone was so excited about. Cold calling each other's clients to see if we could catch a client that has stolen a candidate from underneath us. So <laughs> we'd call it's lost fee Friday. Like, right. like really, like you're so fucking excited to do that, right? So that lost fee <laughs> Friday always started with Jaeger bombs. Bit of Dutch <laughs> courage, slam them down. Let's. Go, let's do this. <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, you know what you uh, mightn't have known about that is that that's actually the eighth factor in Terry Orlick's Wheel of Excellence. So Terry Orlick was a Canadian. Jager bombs. <laughs> yeah, well, not doing the Jager bombs, but um, bringing fun and enjoyment into whatever the activity is. Uh, it's actually one of the elements in the Wheel of Excellence that Terry Orlick introduced. Uh, he was a, Can- a Canadian sports Olympic athlete trainer. And uh, so his model is one of the most famous in peak performance. And uh, so you are unwittingly accessing the eighth dimension of peak Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we used to, we d- that place had some fun. We had some fun in that joint. <laughs> <laughs> usually, usually that ended with Pants Off Friday. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. And you can imagine a whole, whole, whole bunch of us walking up like King Street in Melbourne or... Uh, if we if we flew the team into Sydney, uh, we'd we yeah r- r- roll down Goulburn Street because our officers were there. And like, yeah, wow! Hey, I didn't know you were from Melbourne. Uh, well, I'd only uh, I wasn't from Melbourne originally. I just went down to start that recruitment firm there, so I was only supposed to be there for twelve months. I end up doing two and a half years. Oh, wow. um, yeah, but yeah, cool. it was. I, we had a good time while we were there, but I missed I missed the ocean. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, we got the we got the paddle waves here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did, however, I did, however, um, have this one time I got married, um, and I, I, all of my most of my friends are guys, so I had a combined hens and bucks, and we all went surfing um, at, at Bells, and it was mm. fucking freezing. So we, I, I, I mean, two wetsuits, and everyone's like, this is not fun. <laughs> <laughs> there was a challenge skills balance there i tell you yeah <laughs> uh, as, that sounds amazing <laughs> it was free it was hot and i i hadn't been surfing i i dropped out of surfing for a while i hadn't surfed at that stage it had been like 10 years um and i'd had maybe five surfs in that 10 years so it was i was like i want to do this yeah <laughs> wow wow uh, it's like an amazing uh combined pre-wedding celebration though eh? yeah yeah that and then we played golf so i'm oh, also cool. not so great at golf uh, <laughs> so it's really interesting i i really i'm i'm diving deep i'm um i think we talked about i'm going through the flow research collective at the moment um becoming accredited in high flow leadership and flow um pulling the flow levers from yeah. um meeting Stephen a few years ago but also doing performance and flow consulting through the Entrepreneurs Institute and just all the books. And I was like, okay, it's time to take this to the next level. And I didn't even realize that, like, like you said, by accident was integrating things like the fun or I didn't even realize the science behind some of the team building stuff that I did with people. I was like, I just kind of 
maybe because it made me feel like flow. I was like, oh, well, I just do this. But I didn't actually understand why it worked and how to replicate it. And just on Friday, I ran a, um, a big team day here with a couple, for a couple of companies. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, we're going to do breath work and we're going to take them surfing. And, you know, I used to do that before just because it was kind of cool. And I'd be like, well, the breath work's cool. The ice baths, that'll show them the grit. But I hadn't really sought, thought through the science. So can you, from your perspective, just diagnose why and share why you think doing something like ice baths helps team cohesion and why we do those in team performance and adding in an exercise like surfing for people that have never surfed before (laughs) unlock peak performance yeah totally hey cool question so i think i'd like to start off by just saying that you know the the science is largely like a western-based approach to to flow and some of the things that you're talking about in terms of flow research collective and uh you know entrepreneurs institute etc predominantly the Western-based approach. And the Western-based approach, Jade, is all around what we call state management. Yeah? So it's basically the ability to alter your state on demand. Yeah? And that's primarily what the Western-based approach is. Now, the Eastern-based approach, if you look at, you know, let's say yoga or the Tao or or whatever, the, the ancient texts, it's much more about traits. And it's much more about everyday mastery than it is about a peak state. And so I just thought I'd throw in a little bit of a contrast there and maybe we can explore as we go. I would love that. Yeah, cool. So on state management, yeah, it's a really, um, what we're doing is we're engineering our biology, our physiology and our psychology into a state that we desire for a given task. And so, you know, when you're talking about breath work or ice baths, what you're really doing underneath the hood is you're changing your nervous system's response to the external environment. Does this make sense? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, you know, we have sort of five broad different nervous system states. And, you know, a lot of people go around and talk about, you know, fight or flight, sympathetic nervous system, parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and relaxation and digestion. But there's actually five different branches of that nervous system. And ultimately with any of these techniques, we're just shifting from one branch to the other and we're picking the branch that is most suitable for the task. Beautiful. Tell me with your your breath work, what did your uh, team audience experience? Uh, It was amazing because I do, on my group calls with them, um, Mm. we do different breath work. So I might do a a whim style breathing one week or a box breathing another week. Um, So they'd had a bit of exposure and they, they had learned a little bit about the understanding of parasympathetic, sympathetic, more I use it to teach them how to drop into the third space so that they can disconnect from other shit that's going on. Um, But my facilitator, Rue, is from Cool to Be Conscious, is amazing. And every time I've used him, the participants, we've had at least one participant come out and say, I've done peyote, I've done ayahuasca, I've done journeys, and nothing has been as profound as this experience. So it was that real um, deep uh, guided meditation, sound healing, crystal bowl, um, the full breathing experience. And mm-hmm. I have had at least two people that said they were they they liked the breathing they did with me and they found it was great and it was great for third mm-hmm. space, but they weren't a convert yet. And now mm-hmm. they're like it it's a non-negotiable in my in my practice every week uh, and to go deeper on it. And one of the guys 
said to me, I haven't got, I haven't had a chance to have one-on-ones with everyone yet since it, but one of the core guys said it, it, he's just never, ever felt. And we're, we're talking, he, he, uh, he backs the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> he's, you know, he rides dirt bikes. He's six foot something skinhead, uh, yeah. flame tattoos. Um, <clears throat> he's a compliance on operations manager. Uh, we go dirt biking. And he was like, it was just the most surreal uh, feeling and sensation and profound integration and learning that he's ever had. Um, yeah. And it was just like, it was just, uh, like he said, it just feels like a gift. It was a gift. And yeah. then they, he is also committed to doing Monday night ice baths every Monday night. Yeah. As well. So, yeah. So yeah, it was, awesome. um, it was, yeah, I don't even know how to describe it because everyone has a different experience and they get a different thing out of it. But the the core thing that everyone says afterwards is it was just like it's it feels like I've been given a gift. Mm, yeah, given the gift of managing yourself. Mm. There's actually like there's no better gift that we can give ourselves in life, yeah, because whatever we're chasing externally as an object, you know, whether it's a car or money or whatever it is, that all comes from what's within. So the ability, to, the ability to alter your internal state will actually lead to creating your outer reality. That, that's my experience. And, um, yeah, so what you share is really interesting. Well, let's unpack it a little bit. So, you know, with the Wim Hof style breathing, you know, typically what you're doing there is accessing or priming the sympathetic nervous system. And so your arousal levels are going up. And so you're more primed for action. And that's a very Western kind of thing. You know, performance in a Western context is all about doing stuff more productively, more efficiently than in the productivity zone. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Is this resonating with what your clients experience? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, and the gentleman with the tats and, and the adrenaline, you know, chances are he spends most of his life in sympathetic drive. And then, you know, what you talked about in terms of the box breathing, that's a way to neutralise the nervous system. So to balance it between sympathetic and parasympathetic, it's a good middle ground. And then if people want to access a parasympathetic state, then it's really the exhale with a longer time period than the inhale is important to prime the parasympathetic nervous system. So and- this is what I usually use. Well, I read the room depending when we, when we come into group calls because my clients bring all of their teams onto our um, group calls on Mondays and Fridays. And yeah. the way I do box is depending on reading the room, it's usually having a focus on that longer exhalation for exactly what you were saying there, like kind of get a feel. It's like, okay, do we need Wim today to lift us up and get us into yeah. action or do we need to? Totally. Yeah. And it all depends on the activity that you want to perform for. So, you know, I ran this in my group the other day and, you know, somewhat surprisingly, most people spend their time in sympathetic most of the time. And, you know, I did an exercise that's all about finding the zone of, of optimal arousal for the task at hand. And so, you know, in a work context, you know, often being calm and collected and connected is actually what you want in the team environment, yeah? And so that's a very different arousal level and you want to access parasympathetic nervous system for that. Um, Whereas, you know, perhaps with some of the more, you know, let's say surfing or skiing, you really want to be primed. You know, you want to be alert at the 100% alert and so the sympathetic sort of Wim Hof style might be better. So, you know, that's my experience, but it's all about matching, you know, the zone of optimal arousal to the task. And I I noticed that you said you played golf and 
here, here plays golf too. Lots of it. <laughs> and so golf, like you don't want to be in a jacked up state. You don't want to have excess anxiety or priming because chances are you're going to be like Scott Hope in the 1988 Masters and miss a two-foot putt to win. And so, you know, like if you look at, let's say, Greg Norman, you know, under pressure, he wasn't in the zone of optimal arousal for the performance of that task and it impacts his ability to be the best that he can be. So the ability to switch on tap from being aroused and mildly anxious and primed for a challenge versus being calm and relaxed to do something of a different nature is just a a superpower that everyone should tap into. Do you have any tips to give people to figure out? Because I talk about having our energy state tool belt and like knowing, okay, based on where you need to go, what thing you can go to, including the breath work or burpees or Jaegers or pump up tunes or, 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 but how do you, how do you suggest people figure out which one they need to be in to, to truly, because some people think that, oh no, I need to be up in that, blah, 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 but when actually here yeah. is going to play better. Yeah. So let's use a golf example. So, you know, uh, if I wanted to get better at golf, you know, essentially what I would do is I would uh, close my eyes and get into a bit of a meditative zone. And I would go back in time to a time where I was at my peak performance. Yeah. And I would play that scenario through, like we all play movies in our mind. You know, we recall the past and we replay, uh, you know, what we were seeing, what we were hearing, what we were feeling. And so what you want to do is you want to bring that back into your field of awareness right now. Mm -hmm. And you want to turn up your ability to experience all of the senses. You want to immerse yourself in when you were performing at your peak. And essentially what I do with my clients is I get them to notice, you know, what thoughts were they having? You know, what thoughts were running on this movie screen? Uh, What feelings were there in in their body? What were the sensations? What were the emotions that were associated, you know, with that scene? And ultimately what that does is it describes the level of arousal that they're experiencing. And they're also ingraining that association in their brain as they're playing the movie forward does that yeah. make sense yeah yeah so i'd, I'd reference marissa peer on that and like making the unfamiliar familiar again so yeah, yeah, totally. once we might have forgotten it and when we can make the unfamiliar familiar that's easier to drop back in and it's and it's and that's the same concept of like shooting shooting air hoops for the basketballers um to to get that programming back into that's the brain right, right? back into the yeah. state the calmness yeah. Totally, totally. And then what you want to do to sort of finish that off um, is you want to anchor a cue. So we call it cue-induced learning. And so you've played this scenario through in your mind and you're feeling the state that you want to embody as a peak performance state or an optimal state. And then you anchor it somewhere. So often I'll get my clients to touch their elbow and that's their space where they can then access that state on command because the, the brain and the body are yep. wired to do so. And it's a basic NLP technique, but I use a few. I say, is, that, is that the EFT? Is it the tapping technique? Is that part of the tapping thing? No, it's it's just anchoring a yep. mental state in the, you know, in the body. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an NLP technique, that one, but I but I use a little bit of a variation on it. And it's called cue-induced learning. And so as part of the visualization process, what we're also doing is we're breaking down the steps in the performance. So for a golfer, you know, one swing, you know, for me, it's actually a series of 27 movements. 
and breaking down that sequence and feeling where your body is in relation to your mind at each stage of the process allows you to embody that at a higher level. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and that's how, you know, freestyle skiers are are trained. That's how surfers are trained too. Um, This is an Olympic training technique. It's called audio motor training Mm -hmm. and cue induced learning. So that's what I use with my clients mostly. Yeah. I think, when you, when you say that, I was like, oh, my God, thinking through the, all the steps. But <laughs> one of the things that I've been working on with my surfing lately is I, if I overthink, I'm a disaster. And yes. my coach was just like, it's painful. I'm on the beach and I can basically hear the gears in your head clicking, like stop yeah. it. My old football coach used the same thing. He's like, it's like I can see you thinking it's fucking painful. But if I can do it beforehand, like now before I go out, I'm like, oh, that's right. I need to make sure I've got weight on the front foot, weight on the front foot because I used to be a longboarder, so it's weight on the back foot. I'm like, kiss the knee, kiss the knee. So then, like, when I'm going out, I'm like, kiss the knee, kiss the knee, rather than just trying to bounce the thing and and making those things familiar. I'm like, oh, yeah, what's the mechanics of this? Okay, it's, it's front foot, it's knee. It's like, okay, throw the arm. Like, all of the things, when yeah. I'm trying to think about it in the real time in the moment, yeah, it's literally like, oh, my God, kiss the knee. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and just got taken out. Um, doing that in advance and and sitting and dropping into it and going, okay, what does that feel like again? What's that? Okay, because now it's familiar before I hit the water. That's right. Yeah, and it, you know, uh, I don't know whether you can remember back to the time when you uh, didn't know how to surf, but all surfing lessons start on the beach. Hey, they don't start in the water. It's yeah. like we've got to get the feel of the feet on the board and we've got to get the feel of the pressure when we're standing up. And, yeah, you know, I'm going to stop there because I'm not a surfing expert, right? <laughs> but what you're describing is, you know, you're rehearsing before you're actually embodying the actual experience. And so, you know, if you can access the state by, you know, accessing a cue, then your unconscious mind takes over and, and repeats that mm-hmm. learning strategy. And all you're conscious of is the one or possibly two tweaks that you're making in the moment. And you raise a really great point because most people overthink the hell out of everything that they do. And so they never experience flow because actually when you look at flow, it's not thinking at all. There is no thought. There is pure awareness. There's total presence of the moment. You're at one with the wave or the mountain and your body has taken over. And actually in the brain, what's going on and, I'm sure they've covered this at the Flow Research uh, Collective. Your prefrontal cortex is effectively shut down. Your critical thinking is gone. And, you know, the the neurology, it moves backwards into into the motor control centres of the brain. And, you know, your body takes over. And that's true flow. Yeah. And I find that 100% when I'm doing speaking gigs or presentations, when when I'm really worried about something and I'm overthinking it, I'm thinking about, like, oh, my God, I need to, like, read the room, do the thing, like, and overthink it, I feel, mm. like, freaked out. Yeah. And the absolute best ones I've had is I've walked off stage and people are crying. I'm like, why are we crying in a business meeting? What's happening? And they're like, oh, my God, that was absolutely amazing. I loved what you said. I'm like, zero clues what I said. None. Yeah. <laughs> not, not a, like, I, it's like I got transported somewhere for the last yeah. 90 minutes and I got, I got nothing. And they're like, but this, and I'm like, yes. Yeah, you're in a you're you're experiencing an altered state where you're actually you've tranced yourself into pure presence in that moment. Mm. 
And, it, and it's just a, it's an amazing feeling to be, isn't it? And to give people like a little bit of an idea, you know, when I come onto a coaching call and I've done, you know, my, my Q-induced learning, so I get into my prime state, there's always two words that are associated with that state. And for me, the two words are ruthless compassion. And what it is, is a reminder to actually connect and be fully present with the person on the other side of the Zoom call, yeah. but also to be ruthless on their behalf. Yep. And that directs my, the attention of my mind. It's I'm going to be clear. I'm going to be somewhat cruel to be kind. We're going to get to the point where we're going to get this person the maximum result that they can within the session. Yeah, so, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love that because um, sometimes, uh, especially as coaches or leaders, like if we flip it to just business leaders coaching their own teams and that, we can want to be, we think we're being kind by being empathetic or simple, worse, sympathetic. And not giving them the tough love that they might need, yeah. or or if we've if we've missed the compassion part, too tough, and finding that balance and going actually, and I, I love to draw on Brene for this stuff, but like clarity is kindness, um, being being unclear is unkind, and mm-hmm. like if we if we don't call people on their shit, they're never yeah. going to actually we're not doing our job like as a leader. Or as a coach, you're not helping them by sitting down there with them or letting them get away with shit or not not calling it. Um, My team say I have a fluffy baseball bat. So they they make me this gorgeous little gif and it's a a baseball bat covered in blue fluff. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently I wield my, I didn't, I'm like, really? They're like, yeah, you wield your little fluffy baseball bat. It's like, (laughs) we know it's always coming with love, but fuck, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming it's coming well i mean it's a it, it's a little off topic but one of the things that i see in, in in the business space these days is actually a tendency towards over empathy mm-hmm. and we've kind of forgotten that you know the business is what we're here to do yeah and and so there's a difference between empathy and compassion which i think you were alluding to you know i can be compassionate for someone's circumstances but it doesn't mean that i'll show an over empathy everything in life is about balance and if we over empathize, then, you know, chances are the business is not going to get the results yeah. or we're actually taking too much of the other person's perspective and none of our own. One of the big blocks to flow actually, Jade, is self-esteem. Yes. You cannot be in flow if you're thinking about yourself and if you're over empathizing with other members of your team uh, and communicating on a basis that's not grounded in your own reality. So you know, it all relates and self-esteem is a big one in my world for my uh, clients. It really prevents them from flourishing. Well, that, that just really links back to the challenge skills balance, right? Because yeah. if we need to have the 4% difference, but if you don't have, if you don't feel confident and have the self-esteem in your skills and you're, you're confident in that, then you're going to be out of, out of whack and that's, you're going to be in that overthink and you won't yeah. be able to that that next boundary um i just want to circle back for a second if it's okay with you uh, of course, to, yeah. uh, to the eastern side of flow because we talked a bit about the western and the thinking and the doing totally. um from your from your side of things what what's the eastern stuff that we're missing yeah great so what we've talked about in terms of the western stuff is like hey you know jade i want to be great i want to be better at surfing right So we engineer all of the task around being better at surfing. So we've very much got a cult of the expert in the West. 
You know, that's, that's how people differentiate themselves in, in status. And we use science to support that, right? And so it's very much about being targeted, being an expert in a particular task, yeah? The Eastern approach is actually way more broad and holistic. So it's about mastering everyday living. So the contrast frame, if you like, is over here in the Western approach and a lot of Kotler's work and others of, of a similar ilk is about being great at one thing. Mm. In the East, it's about mastering everything. Wow. So my mind's brain. Like I said, I sometimes I do a lot of things <laughs> by accident, I think. Um, yeah. And maybe because I've got lots of inputs because I do, well, even with Entrepreneurs Institute, coming from Roger James Hamilton stuff, because he's heavily in, influenced by the I Ching and um, by his Eastern heritage um, and energy states and things like that. I think I've pulled in a bit of that, but also being Mind Valley Woo Wish uh, yeah. side of things. But for me, with I, I talk about whole human coaching. So when I work on my leaders and the conversations that I'm having and and what I'm trying to encourage anyone that owns a business to do or leads a business is to work on the whole human. Yep. Because if you want peak performance in any area, you need to help them on all of the areas. And one of the core foundations for me is your habits, behaviors, and routines. Mm. I love, have you read Aubrey Marcus's uh, Own the Day? Yeah, Own the Day. Yeah. So do you mean if you, and, and for me, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Like, I do yeah. not get out of bed unless I intend to go back to it for a minute yeah. uh, without, without making it um, because how, how you start is how, is how the day will flow and that control. And I think there's a bit of psychology behind, well, yeah, there's, let me, there's psychology let me even, behind that too. But let if, me even take you to a different spot. Yeah. You know, the, there's no start and end to the day. Oh, I love this. In, yeah. in fact, there is no time. You know, and I, I, we're, going to, we're going a little bit off piece here, but I want to tap into the actual nature of the Eastern approach. Yes. The, you know, habits of mental constructs that we need when our willpower is not actually sufficient. Mm-hmm. So coaching to habits is a lower level coaching pattern. And I try and avoid it personally. Yep. Because what I'm trying to do is I'm actually trying to coach the character of yes. the person. Yeah. This is the whole thing. I say what, yeah. with the habits, and this probably comes from atomic habits, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> in terms of who do you need to be? What's the character traits? Who, what do you need to embody to be able to be the person that has either the success or the life or whatever? And then what? Then I say, what's the behaviors that sit behind it? And then the habits and, and routines are what sit down there. So we start okay. there, but ultimately it's like, what's the character that yeah. you, you want to exude? Who do you need to so, as a human? So let, let, let's try a couple of things on, hey? Um, so if you have a whole life philosophy and you don't believe that there's a start and an end to the day and, you know, what you're looking for is continuous, sustained performance in everything in life, then flow in that context is about actually letting go of all of your attachments. And so that includes attachments to habits, Yeah. So if I woke up this morning and what's on my mind is, you know, I need to go for a surf because really I don't like my self image, Mm -hmm. then actually a master of themselves can make a choice in the moment whether they do or don't go surfing based on their highest level of intention. And that is totally different to being bound by your unconscious patterns 
or conscious habits that are flowing against your will. And so what I, what I coach my clients on is actually constructing themselves in the moment. And so being at 100% choice, if I, if I want to eat the chocolate bar instead of going surfing, you know what? I've got my own back. I'm not going to beat myself up and therefore I'm not going to inhibit my flow in every other task for the remainder of the day just because in the present moment, that was the highest thing for me. I had to learn that lesson hard because I was, I built, I didn't intentionally build it, but I built this uh, identity of 5am club girl. And (laughs) I used to post on LinkedIn at 5am every fucking day, no matter where in the world I was. And I had a really rude awakening when I watched the sunrise. I watched the sunset at 3.30 in the morning, the sunrise at 4am in Estonia, and then had to, post at 5 a.m. <laughs> I was like, uh, is this really serving me? Um, and but I was I was so committed to habit because back then it was like habits did get me going, right? And yeah, I, played, I played football and I, like so there was just certain structure that I had and yeah. I and I found safety. So what it really was was me that was the thing I could control when everything else was yeah. out of control. Yes. But unattaching myself from being 5am club girl was really Mm. difficult and I used Mm. to pride myself on the fact that I could run on two hours sleep if that and and so I had to deconstruct that and even even the point this morning usually I'm up with sunrise and I made the choice last night because I was packing to go camping I was like do you know what I surrender now and I look at what serves best and I'm not going to be because I used to like if I slept until 6.30 and the sun had beat me up, I'd be like, oh, you should have been up. You should have done this. You didn't do your sunrise meditation and blah, blah, blah. And, well, hey, that doesn't serve me. Um, and it wouldn't have served me to get up only having my five hours sleep. And that practice of um, aware, awareness yes. to really understand, not giving it's, but that's a huge skill too, right? We, we, can, we can give yeah. ourselves permission to eat the chocolate. Yeah. We can give yeah. ourselves permission. To not go to bed on time and sleep in. Yeah. How do you how do you help people to figure out when it's giving permission, aka fucking excuses, versus <laughs> versus I'm making a conscious choice because this actually serves me better to for my energy or my this or my that or just because I just want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think I you just, actually. I want just, the damn chocolate bar, and I want it. <laughs> I want the damn chocolate bar now. Making me happy. Yeah. So I, I think it's what serves the client at that particular point in time, and you actually hit the nail on the head. The the coaching is really around building the client's awareness of their choices. Hmm. So you know when you meet a client, and you know they're at where they're at, yeah. And so for some clients, uh, coaching to habits is good because they need the structure because they don't have the safety. Yeah. And so you coach to safety and you remove the need for that safety. And, you know, often that's deconstructing the identity as, as you just shared and an attachment to an identity. So, you know, I'm cool because I used to rock out until 5 a.m. Um, you know, what's behind that? What's behind that? And really getting into that. And so what happens is the clients become really self-aware of the choices that they're making in the moment. And then they have an expansion of choice 
as to whether to follow a habit or to go with their instinct. And so, Jade, really, like the coaching is to awareness and choice. And as the clients get better and better and better at it, I actually just say to them, follow your instinct. Yeah. And so, you know, following that instinct and letting go, they start to experience the results of following the instinct. And they can see what the difference is between enforcing uh, perhaps an unwanted habit and Mm -hmm. following their natural instincts. And it's quite unfolding in that moment habit. I think it's great to have the... um, the ability to stick to habit for grit purposes and to mm-hmm. have as, as your, you know, if the walls have, wheels have fallen off the wagon that you mm-hmm. can jump back to. Um, but that understanding and awareness of is this actually serving the greater purpose right now? Yeah. The thing I tra- I'm trying to train um, some of our team members in that on is you need to be impeccable with your word. I, like, you know me throwing books out, um, like the four agreements. Like if you can't be impeccable with your word to yourself, no one else is going to be able to be truthful with you. And you can ask yourself in that moment, what is really driving this decision? What What's underneath it? And if, if you're honest with yourself and have extreme ownership over that, then you can go with your instinct. You can go, actually, oh, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm giving myself permission to that because I'm actually whoring for likes because right now I'm not feeling so great about myself and I want a bit of attention. And so I'm, I'm giving myself permission to be on social media, pretending it's going to be getting business, but really my underlying self-worth is at risk here. Oh, I'm going to make a better choice about that. Yeah, totally. And that's why constructing yourself in the moment is actually so powerful because some people are not, you know, I found this for myself. It wasn't really out of uh, self-image, but you feel like as though you have to post on social media every day and there came a point for me where I'm just like I'm just not posting on social media I actually don't need it for my business yeah Um, I don't need it for my image you know I've got a great crew of clients you know I I don't really need to put myself out there perhaps the same same way as others do and so instead of following a habit or a pattern I was able to construct myself according to what I wanted in the moment which was basically not to post on social media yeah well, no, I think I got that thing should all over. I should do this. Yeah. Everyone else is doing it, so I should do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. And actually, even within what you're saying, like for a lot of people, even differentiating in terms of the self, whether it's a self-image thing that's underneath it, whether it's a self-agency, i.e., can I get this task done, mm. uh, whether it's a self-confidence thing or whether it's self-esteem, whether it's about valuing themselves, whatever the outcome there's actually four different aspects of that. And so it's really powerful to get underneath and determine what it really is. Um, so just a little share there on what I said a lot with clients. It can be any one of the four or a combination. Wow. How do, do you have any like just quick and dirty tips and, or books or something that you could recommend for people to dive into? Like some of the stuff that we were talking about there for me, triggered four agreements, um, the untethered soul. Uh, to recognize the voice and the surrender experiment. Um, but from what you're saying there with understanding those selves, is there something that you'd recommend that they could dip the toes in the water? Yeah, I mean, uh, whew, that's a great question. You know, <laughs> in the moment I'm trying to construct my response here, Jade, and I'm not sure whether I'm going to come up with a great book or not. That, and I, I, I love to throw people just right under the bus there. <laughs> But what we can do is the podcast team can say, see the show notes right now and Andrew will send us a couple of th- uh, resources that you can <laughs> click through 
and uh, digest because yeah. sometimes it doesn't come to you like after you're like oh that's something that they could they could go to yeah for sure well you know what I, what I would say um, Jade is you know for the eastern perspective you know anything to do with yoga is essentially about flow mm. um, you know anything to do with the Tao Te Ching is ultimately about flow um in life and you know everyday mastery so any texts around that depending on where people are at it's pretty cool uh and then on the western side obviously you've got Stephen Cotler's pretty well published uh on this stuff uh you know he's he's definitely been someone that's influenced uh me Terry Orlick uh you know he's had some good writing on coaching sports performance so anything by Terry Orlick I can't remember what the name of the book is I'll get it for uh, you. I've got it in my training. Yeah, cool. Yeah, uh, no. I was supposed to read it. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> it might be called In Pursuit of Excellence or something like that. I, I can't recall. Uh, but, yeah, the books you mentioned, like, you know, Michael Singer, et cetera, they're all great. Um, you know, if you want to be, if you want to experience presence, you know, in its truest form, which is, you know, it's it's a form of, meditative process and it's very much an eastern style approach and i'm big into that now um then anything by ah almas um is very good and of course eckhart Tolle is a presence man um so you know those two kim and you know what i haven't dived into the power of now um and a new earth on any of the podcasts maybe i'll need to get you back yeah, cool. Yeah, so, you know, Eckhart's good. Uh, Kim Eng uh, works with Eckhart and she merges kind of Qigong uh, with presence. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, Qigong uh, and Tai Chi, that's all about the cultivation of vital life force for everyday mastery. So anything around that is pretty cool too. Uh, it depends on what you want. If you want to be the master in, in life, mm-hmm. then that sort of stuff is great. Also, the research from positive psychology on how to be vitally engaged in everyday living is very good. Uh, if you want to go the more sports route and, you know, be in the zone for a work task, then, you know, some of the Western research like Kotler and, you know, Terry Ollick is pretty good. Amazing, amazing. So tell me, um, if you were to think about a business leader trying to, um, trying to help their team to achieve flow, what mm. what's what would be kind of the the baby steps like it's it's kind of a new concept to them maybe they've found it for themselves or just trying to figure out how we can get group flow within organization what would be some of your initial tips on that yeah for sure um i'm going to go somewhere you probably don't expect here <laughs> favorite place to go <laughs> the unknown <laughs> so the first place a leader's always got to start is with themselves you know, so it's like, um, you know, being a parent to your children, you know, your staff are internalizing everything that you demonstrate on a moment basis. And so the biggest thing a leader can do is demonstrate mastery. And so demonstrating mastery is through awareness and choice. So for all my leaders, it's all about expanding their awareness and choice in the present moment. Because if you think about it, all the dynamics of relationships, you know, they're moving and fluctuating on a moment-to-moment basis. And if you're unaware of what's going on in that dynamic, then you can't actually lead. It's a blind spot. And most leaders operate from their blind spots. And so, you know, the biggest tip that I would say is work on yourself and your awareness 
<laughs> and your choice in the moment. And then, you know, on the, on the group side of things, yeah, I mean, a couple of basics. You've got to look at removing impediments. You know, that's one side of flow. And then the other side of flow is, you know, cohesion. So often what I see is a lot of focus on, you know, cohesion and let's lift each other up and, you know, a lot of the soft stuff, but I'd see very little on the removing impediments. And most people get frustrated and disengaged on a daily basis because they don't have autonomy, they don't have a sense of purpose, they don't have clear goal directedness, you know, the list goes on. So at, at a super high level, a couple of shares from, from here. Amazing. Thank you. Always start with self because I, the thing that came to mind when I hear that is uh, it's not do as I say, not as I do. And I always lead back to um, Ben Horowitz's what you do is who you are. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's all got to come integrated through you for it to be radiated and reflected through the it team. Does, it does. Um, and, if, and if you don't have it, you can't teach it. Um, yeah. So I am gratefully uh, grateful for that share. Where can people find more about you? Cool. Yeah. So, you know, my website, andrewrook.com, in the process of a refurb at the moment. So, um, you know, bear with me. Uh, But also LinkedIn, I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. So if you want to check out some of my content, LinkedIn, uh, and, you know, we'll post the links uh, in in the notes. Uh, But also I have a Lessons in Leadership series at the moment, which, you know, been getting a, a lot of great feedback. Uh, on and what I do in that series is I show people you know some of the sins of leadership and also some of the real amazing stuff that leaders do and so it's a nice little hot and cold contrast that I encourage people to jump on to the link that Jade will share and uh, grab yourself a copy of that and uh, yeah check me out on on any of those channels. Awesome I am so grateful that you jumped on and shared this wisdom with us we'll make sure everything is in the links below but what I would love to ask anyone who's listening or watching is if you've had any experience with any of the topics we talked about so awareness letting go of self being able to move from habits and up into character or flow states, make sure you like, let's start a chat. Let's let's have a conversation about it below because the more we have a conversation, the more the rest of us grow. And this is about building a tribe and building a community of beach-loving business owners and high-performance leaders around the globe. Thank you so much for joining us again, Andrew. Have an epic day. I'm going fucking camping. <laughs> Enjoy your camping. And that's it. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to the Barrels and Business Podcast. If you are ready to build your kick-ass team, you're looking to scale your business, or you just want ways that you can get wet more often, make sure you head on over and connect with us at barrelsandbusiness.com. Actually, while you're at it, why don't you just hit subscribe wherever you are watching and listening to the podcast right now. I'll see you guys on the next episode.